Welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And for custom sweaters for your Italian greyhound, because desert nights get chilly. That's right. Today we are rapping about the junk mail jamboree, the puppet wrangling roadshow, and also the celebrity impression profession. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And today we are chatting with one of Hollywood's busiest and most talented visual artists and puppeteers. He's designed puppets for the Jimmy Kimmel Show, Glee, music videos for Trace Atkins, Kid Cudi, and Ed Sheeran, among others, as well as many national commercial campaigns. He is also the co-writer and puppet designer for the original musical, Alien vs. Musical. <laughs> and he's an incredibly nice guy, and we are so lucky to have him here. Please welcome to the show the insanely talented and inspiring Steve Troop. Yeah. Thank you. You forgot Dog Sitter. And dog sitter. And dog sitter. But that's going to come in later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. That's a, but yeah, incredible dog sitter. How do we get you back? I don't know. I need a dog sitter myself. So it's kind of. Uh... <laughs> well, that turns yeah. into a dog swap situation. Yeah. Dog, yeah. Dog swap. Yeah. <laughs> Who did we, did we try to dog swap one time before? Or was that a house swap? I it was remember. a key party, Jamie. Oh, right. <laughs> What's a key party? Never mind. I don't want to know. Um, so Steve and I go way back. So every time I see Steve, I'm like, how do you, how do you not change? It's been like, we've known each other for 15 years. Well, let me think. 15, 2005. Yeah. Yeah. 17 years. 17 years. We wow. um, studied at Groundlings together. That's right. uh, it's, it's I, the only acting training I ever had. So. <laughs> but I, if I recall a class, you were like, we had some hardcore teachers. Groundlings, I think, was a little different 17 years ago. And we had some hardcore teachers. And at one point, Steve, I think you kept, if I recall this correctly, I'm probably making some of up it in my head because it was a moment. You were like, I'm a puppeteer, man. Can I see some <laughs> puppeteering? And the guy was like, you're a what? And you're like, yeah. I'm a puppeteer. I'm here for puppeteering. It was one of those, um, I don't even think you meant to be Midwest passive aggressive or like say it in his face, but we had some teachers that were a little yeah. bit like. Our first teacher was amazing. Brian Palermo was amazing. I mean, and then right? it was kind of downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. And Steve was just like my hero in that class. It was funny. He's like, I really? You can't talk to me like that buddy no just, that's that's how it sounded in my head when you were like i'm a puppeteer man well i think we were sitting alphabetically originally and so uh stickle and troop were right next to each other uh -huh. and so that's how we ended up meeting each other is, yeah. is just because of the alphabet so yeah there you go it was great thank god for linguistics <laughs> there you go <laughs> putting us all together and we've been friends ever since i mean i think we switched emails from aol to gmail together no i'm just kidding hey <laughs> So happy for both of you. This is so funny. Um, but yeah, listen, Steve has done so many jobs. And every time we talk over the years, like a year or two will go by. And then we're like, what's going on, man? And Steve's like, you don't want to know. I'm in Northridge <laughs> and I'm doing direct mailers. And I just want to talk about it because Steve is one of the most talented people I know, but has had to hustle because like so many in this business in Hollywood, they want your talent and abilities and they don't want to pay for it. <laughs> well, my, yeah. my favorite one was uh, I was working for, uh, uh, I was doing gags for a cartoon, a comic. I was, uh, or, or a, a, a animated cartoon. And I was, was actually storyboarding and coming up with gags and writing. 
And the, the project was coming in and they were like, what are you doing next? I'm like, well, I'm supposed to go make boxes for a box company. And the, <laughs> the guy says, uh, Phil Niblink, who was the, the, the head um, storyboard artist on that, he goes, I want to cry. <laughs> yeah. He wants, to, he wants to cry because he's been there and he knows. Yeah, and he looks at you and you're an incredible artist. Like your talent is ridiculous. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you could be prepared and you could be um, not just prepared, but like done all the work, have all the talent, you're ready for it. And then the opportunity just doesn't present itself, right? Like the yeah. doors aren't open to let you in and you're like knocking on all of them. And then you're like, I'm gonna go build boxes. Let's do it. Right. I mean, you need your health insurance. You need your, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm going to say one thing that you've got going for you that, that we as actors don't necessarily is that we can do all the same preparation and be ready. And, and, and then, you know, opportunity comes and they go, Oh, you're too tall. Your, your hair's not long enough, too long, you know, whatever. And you can just switch to a different puppet. True. <laughs> but, but also like, I also build my own wardrobe and my own, you know, it's like, like all the stuff that, you know, like mm -hmm. when I when I usually puppeteer, I'm also building the puppet as well. So uh, there's that skill set too. And I yeah. always talk about how I was, you know, I wanted to be a cartoonist. That was all I wanted to do is was be a newspaper cartoonist. And I've drawn more as a as a puppeteer than I ever did as a cartoonist. As you design them, mm -hmm. yeah. I never was. I've very rarely been paid as as a cartoonist. Um, You're kidding. Mm -mm. That's crazy. I feel like you would get paid more for that than puppeteering. I know. I just reason. have never been able to break into it. I've, I've, I've um, applied and, you know, and everything else and tried to run through the channels. But I mean, guys, I've sent off hundreds of submissions to the different syndicates to trying to get the newspaper back in the day. Newspapers yeah. kind of went away. That was kind of the problem. But yeah, um, right. but even even on top of that, I mean, the, it's so cutthroat. Um, I think it's like three to six thousand submissions a year and they pick two. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, uh, you could submit to Highlights Magazine in line. Say you're 12. There you go. There you go. They yeah. pick up comics from 12 year olds. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I only yeah. know this because I have a seven year old who reads it. Right. Um, right. I remember Highlights. <laughs> it's so great. It's still so great. I steal it from him. Like, mm -hmm. that's one of our reading days as we get through the whole magazine. But <laughs> it, it's interesting that you say that because there was a point in time where you, as a kid, you thought that you could, speaking from myself, um, that you would break right in, you know, like everything you saw on TV was something that you felt like Chrissy on Three's Company. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to be Chrissy on TV one day, right? <laughs> like you just well, associated yourself and then it all went away and it's different. Well, it, I went remember. Away, it went away for Chrissy too. A <laughs> <laughs> lifespan of about five years. No, um, then she was a sheriff. Um, I, um, uh, I can remember being a senior in high school and I think Schultz, Charles Schultz was doing peanuts and I think he was around at the 35 year mark or the 40 year mark. And I remember reading that he'd started peanuts when he was 26 and I thought I'm 18. I bet you I could make it to 60 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And now we see like in this industry, um, well, in, in Hollywood industry, there are so many people coming up that don't get their break until close to 50. And yeah, it's well, like an overnight story. And you're so like, there's still time. <laughs> still time. There's yeah. always time. You know, you're, I think like Gen X is seeing this breakthrough of like, we did what we were supposed to. 
we, and we filled our coffer 401k and IRA, and now we're going to just do what we want to do. And if we run out of money when we're 80, F it, yeah. you know, like we're going to, we're going to pivot. Gen X is really the group that has learned to pivot into, you know, careers at different ages. And, you know, we don't give a shit about the 30 under 30 or the 40 under 40, like, fuck that shit I was you know like hustling my ass off I don't need you know like it's crazy that the dynamic has just shifted so much in a well, good way so much for sharing this with my parents oh. <laughs> do they not like swearing no I, no swear? uh, I'm very much Mr. Rogers I very rarely swear? do as well yeah well, I could just throw a bunch of bleeps on this episode no, I'm just kidding I'm kidding you but no, no you should fine. bleep me a lot no um, I don't swear often, but because I have a seven-year-old, so really I let loose on the podcast. <laughs> she says that, but I just took our seven-year-old away for the weekend, and he just swore like a sailor the whole time. I'm like, where is this coming from? Did he say mom? I knew. I didn't have to ask. <laughs> well, listen, he and I have a deal. Like, you can swear at home, but because I don't, we don't censor, but you may not swear in front of other people. In, in church. He's, He's so smart. He's so smart. And he knows, like he knows, like he's very smart. I know I'm going to get a phone call home at some point, but let's be honest. It's coming. And just so you're aware, he swore in front of a lot of other people. Who do you swear in front of? Well, the other kids. Oh, well, they swear too. I'm now worried about I recorded all of it. <laughs> but he, you know, the sweetest thing is, and we're off topic and we'll get back on. He asks me permission, mom, can I, I just feel like I need to say the swear word. Can I do it? And I'm like, sure, buddy. And then he'll do it for like three minutes. And then I'm like, mm, I think it's time. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cute. Anyway, sorry. Both of you just made me feel bad. Let's talk about direct mail mailers because yeah. Steve was doing this for so long when we were buds and it was like the bane of your existence. You were oh like, yeah. Well, I the, can't the, do the this anymore. It was the, the scourge. Well, I did it for DirecTV for 12 years. Yes. And um, ah, that was I you. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about this because as I was getting ready. It was like, I might be your only guest that has has personally put something in somebody else, every listener's house. Like, like uh, they're, they're, mm-hmm. I, I, I always like, I'm responsible for the logos at where I'm working now. And uh, I, uh, you know, keep track of them, make sure they're up to date. And I also make sure they print. And that's kind of my job. Are you and, creating the logos also? Oh, no, no, I don't create anything. I, uh, in fact, my, I purposely look out, look for jobs that I don't have to do anything particularly creative at. You and I both, like, this is what mm-hmm. I was doing at Nestle. I was yeah. the same person you are at Nestle with the candy packaging. Well, the thing is, is like, I, I worked right out of high school. I worked as an animator and uh, for 10 months, I didn't draw a single thing of my own. And yeah. that was kind of the idea that was like, if I have a job, especially one like this where my mind does tend to wander as I'm doing the work um, and I have a little sketch pad next to me. Mm-hmm. I come up with ideas and things all day long. I mean, this is this is how a lot of the time I've said I've got get paid for my work is because I actually can then take those ideas at night and do something with them. Right. Um, and that <laughs> that was kind of my and and nobody's going to give me health insurance to sit there and draw it on a sketch pad all day. So that's kind of that <laughs> the workaround. But, you know, right. But so you were creating, you were basically project manager. Um, uh, well, I do, I do production. So the assurance. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. Um, but I'll tell you one thing has, has helped is 
so many people who are puppeteers and cartoonists and everything else don't know how to print and don't, how, don't know how to make their own books and their own marketing materials. And so learning that skill has helped me. And I've helped other people too. I was like, I used to have this deal with, with one cartoonist who didn't know how to lay out his own book. And so I said, okay, you, um, I'll tell you what, I'll do it for free, but you give me a buck for every one that you sell. And he sold 5,000 copies per. And so I'm like, I got 5,000. I, I did three of his books. And I was like, I got, you know, $15,000 for this job that was basically a $200 job, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, so like great deal. Knowing, knowing these people who don't have the money to pay for it. And, and I mean, really, I mean, they're, they're, they're charging 15 bucks and they're uh, printing it overseas. So they're, they're getting 1400 of that, uh, $14 per book. So wow. another dollar is not going to hurt them, but it's no. It's you're great not taking ten percent like an mm -hmm. agent. Like that's right. amazing. Yeah, I did that one for a while, and that was good. Although when I started doing my own artwork again, because I've I've gone through a lot of periods where I just don't draw anything or don't do anything. It's like I just I get fed up and. Let's talk wish, about that because I think that's yeah. important. Like I think, um, I know a woman who was like, you know what, I I I I don't have any money, and it's I'm struggling right now, and like she was honest about it on social media. And she was like, I'm taking some time off to just work and I'm not going to be creative. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm just going to like people announce it to like yeah. hold themselves accountable to the fact that I think that I need a break from being everything all the time. See, that was my problem is I never announced it. I would just one day feel it, wake up and be like, yeah, I can't do it today. And then a week would go by. And it's like, nobody's noticed I haven't done it. So I can go off for another month. And then before I know it, it's 10 years or whatever. So no. um, yeah, Not 10 years. Well, the law, I think the, so when I was, when I was doing alien versus musical, I got overwhelmed. I was like doing all those puppets and I was, you know, helping write the story and I was doing the whole thing. And I was doing a daily comic. I was doing Melon Pool daily at that point. And the Sundays were in color. So I was doing this up until that point, 2015, 2006, 2015. And one day I was like, I just, I can't do it. I got to stop it because this other thing is happening. And I never went back to it. And I was like, okay, I'm actually a lot happier not doing it. <laughs> like, like drawing a daily comic is a 30 hour job just on wow. itself, you know, if yeah. you don't, even, even without the thinking part of it. Yeah. And so, and I'll tell you, when I'm around people, it's like, I'll, I'll sit there. And I remember hearing about Charles Schultz's wife and she goes she go, we'd be driving along in the car and I'd look over and I think I wonder what he's thinking I'm like wait I know what he's thinking he, he's thinking about that comic and that's totally true because it's like you're looking for that next gag you're looking for the next thing that you can do with it yeah and um so anyway I didn't draw for five years I didn't do anything and mm -hmm. um I uh between that and going back to work doing uh, direct mail um we decided uh, as one of the things at work, they started doing that Inktober thing. I don't, yeah, actually yeah. Oh. I love Inktober. Yeah, so I just—I well, mean, I don't do it, it, but I look at everybody else. Right, right. So, so but how for, for for the idiot here? What is what is Inktober? Inktober is there's this guy, and I, I don't remember his name, but um, he does this uh, list every year, and there's multiple lists to go around, but he does this official list of prompts. So it's like, you know, gargoyle and, um, you know, sleep or, you know, all these different like one word prompts. Okay. And every day you have to draw a little uh, a, a, like a, a drawing that's based on this prompt. I use it as a gag, you know, like like a way to use it for the gag. And I I, I refuse to spend more than two or three minutes on it because it's and just like, I was. Yeah, I was going to say it's interesting to see 
people's interpretations of the prompt. You right. know, some people are like, you know, they use their charcoals and they're in depth and it's like so dimensional and you're like, mm-hmm. Jesus. And then yeah. some people are like really quick and, you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see everybody's sort of different manifestation of his prompts. Right. And, and uh, one of them this last week was bat. Now I've done a bunch of, I did one. So I always use my dog, uh, Tilly, an Italian greyhound, basically, um, for the people not in the know. Now I have a, a, <laughs> I have a you know, Italian greyhound and, and she, uh, she kind of ends up being the muse for these drawings. And I had done a couple strips with her being, uh, it, uh, the prompt was bat. So I had done one with her with bat wings and I did one mm-hmm. with her with the cone of shame doing the bat signal over the years <laughs> uh-huh. and so this one i was like what am i gonna do so i i put a baseball bat in her mouth and had a ball hang whizzing past her head that's and i so thought funny. well that's you know a tiny little dog with a bat that's pretty funny so you know that that sort of thing but but what happened was is they were doing this at work and the way that they did it was okay we're gonna do it on work time and all you have to use are office supplies and uh, a post-it note put it on a post-it note and we're gonna put them on the wall I was the only one that finished that year. or I think there was maybe one other person, but everybody just dropped off like flies after a while. But yeah. on the fifth one of those, I, mean, I, I hadn't drawn for five years at that point. I was like, oh yeah, I used to do this. I used to do a daily strip, blah, blah, blah. And I started drawing. And on the third, fourth or fifth, somewhere around there, I did one of Tilly. And everybody would kept on me like, oh, that one of your dog is so funny. You should do more of those. And so for the rest of it, I just did Tilly cartoons. And then I've now done three books and maybe a fourth. I'm working on a fourth one now of uh, these little cartoons. And I always used to say, you know, I always wanted to be the next Bill Watterson, Calvin and Hobbes, but I turned into the next Brad Anderson Marmaduke is kind of what I, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Well, you know. You never know where you're going to find your muse. Yeah, well, Tilly has definitely become a a muse. Um, Everything is dogs these days, it seems. In fact, at work, we have a dog channel and uh, people post pictures of their dogs. And if it's a funny dog, I'll just draw it real quick on a post-it note and post it. So it's kind of been, become my thing is to draw people dogs on post-it notes. You so. keep saying it work. Where, where are you working right now? So I'm working at a place called Kern, K-E-R-N. Kern. And, and they're an ag- ad agency. They, they, uh, okay. you know, do, they don't like to be called junk mail. So they're direct mail. But uh, okay. <laughs> they're, a, they're a step above the junk mail I used to do for direct TV. So, yeah. <laughs> So are targeted are doing, targeted junk mail. Mm-hmm. Are you doing the same role there as you were doing at DirecTV? So it's funny. I started off doing production, which I, I'm not a big fan of production. You know, it's basically just making sure um, commas are in the right place and right. and um, oh, yeah. um, things will print. The colors are right. The fonts right. are right. That's what I did at Nestle. And yeah. purchase. Yeah. Uh, 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 artist purchased. But I've moved in. I, I've gone into doing now logos. I basically... <laughs> check to make sure the logo so basically i i say my my life is exactly where it is except for so okay back in 2000 let me think 2006 i lived in playa del rey i had a really cool toyota celica and i 2006 toyota celica no it was actually oh. a 1994 celica but it was oh, like the yeah yeah the cel- <laughs> i love that car i still love that car in fact if I get a prompt about a Celica, I, it's anything to keep me from actually trying to buy it because I love that car so much. That's awesome. But anyway, I had that car. I was I, uh, I lived by the beach and I worked at DirecTV and I did logos. Right now, I'm living by in the beach at the beach. So I got back to there. I um I I'm handling logos for an ad agency, so I'm right there again. 
and I, I drive a horrible Civic. So it's like I want to get back to that Celica, and then I'll have my life that I had back in 2006. And, and, Just trying to close the loop. Just trying right, to, right. yeah, I'm quantum also, leaping myself back into, yeah. But yeah. you're also being creative full time. You were just at Dragon Con. Is that, did I yeah, that right? I was just at Gen Con and Dragon Con. I did. Yeah. I probably won't do two. They're a month apart, and I probably won't do two conventions month uh, month apart again, because the prep for those two conventions. Did you I go dead? Hear that? No. What? Did you hear my stomach? Guys, no, I thought it was my mic. <laughs> it, it's oh. my stomach. Um, we're fasting because it's Yom Kippur. I'm just putting it out there for the audience. We're going to try to take that growl out but just know it's if yeah if, if, if we're not at our best today please understand it's for <laughs> religious reasons and steve is carrying <laughs> us he's carrying i'm us. religiously eating cheetos the whole time so uh. no. <laughs> thank you for not doing that right now no, i have I a bag in the cabinet that's calling my name is it have like a glass and a little hammer you mm -hmm. break it in case mm -hmm. you yeah exactly right Use that sunset <laughs> But yeah, I so. would eat the broken glass at this point, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I, I have fasted. I it wasn't for religious reasons, but I did a um, a cleanse, a yoga cleanse. Oh for, yeah. In fact, I might have known you when I was doing that. It was I got. I mean, it was great. It was great. But I mean, I did pass out and break my or um, uh, uh, knock my head on the bathroom wall at the time. Is it one of the times? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. We have to get back to what you were telling us, but. But really quick, we can segue non sequiturs. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so Steve is a type one diabetic like my brother, and I do remember you fasting, and I do remember being very upset with you. <laughs> there were a lot of times I was very upset with you. We'll we'll all recall. Well, Steve and I will recall because I was worried about his health. And then yeah. at one point he told me he's was because insulin. If, for people who don't know, type one diabetics need insulin twice a day. It is so expensive. And if you don't have insurance, like you can't afford it. And yeah, so the difference the difference it. is if you have insurance, it's two hundred dollars a month. Right. If it's uh if you don't have insurance, it's eighteen hundred dollars a month. Just and you for take your this twice a day to stay well, alive. Well, yeah. So I, I take one insulin once a day, uh, which is um uh, you know, 30 units, which that lasts a month. And then I take um every time I eat. I take units. That's that's the way mine works. Is every time I eat, I take the other insulin, and that'll last. Uh, the the pack of five lasts a month. So, for eighteen hundred, that's what eighteen hundred dollars will buy you in the, in the um, oh. non uh, insurance field. Yeah. Right. So a at one point. Living. So yeah, here's the punchline right here. Steve didn't have health insurance, and was buying his insulin on Craigslist. Right. And I. I think Jason and I were together at this point and I yeah, think I, I had this. like a total meltdown. I yeah. had a total fucking meltdown. Sorry, Steve's parents. No. Um, <laughs> I was so, I was so, I was so worried. I didn't even know what to say or do like it, you know, and it's like, dude, that's my stomach. Well, so <laughs> what does, what does black market insulin go for? Yeah. 50 bucks. 50 by that so and that's cute. how much how much insulin is that a month that's enough worth? for well uh yeah about a month's worth 50 bucks. okay so so 1800 out of pocket 200 through insurance 50 bucks on the black market i yeah. i see this is a no-brainer yeah but where is it coming from and how are they well so the way it would work bucks? is somebody would be over over uh prescribed and then he'd sell off the excess 
So it, he might need four vials in a month, so he'd sell two of them. Or so he'd, he'd get six and sell two. Um, I mean, when I have insurance, they send me way too more, more than I need. Um, not that I sell it on the black market, but well, I, I, feel, I, I, remember, I feel like you owe the system. That's true. Well, I, I you know, I tell you the, the, the joke that I would say is like, I always thought I would die of diabetes, but I didn't think it'd be on a back alley drug deal. Right, you know, trying right. to get my insulin, you know. I think you said that to me, and I was like, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that was only about a. I think I did that for about eight months, and then I finally got back to work. So. Yeah. Yeah, because later. But it was hard. Work comes, you know. It, it was hard going from four years of trying to be a full-time puppeteer with no insurance mm -hmm. to getting back into the direct marketing game. You know, it was a little bit of a. a uphill well so so what what's your most recent artwork well i did this cartoon you know <laughs> i drew this puppet you know it's like yeah they want to see a you know a, a, an ad or something so right of course they do yeah that's one of the greatest things about the place i'm for where current where i'm working now is that they're really good about promoting people's side hustles and stuff i mean they that's have a little great. they have a weekly newsletter where they highlight the things that people are doing that are interesting like, like i'm um i'm doing I, I do a lot of pup or i've been doing a lot of puppet slams which are kind of like poetry slams but there's a little short puppetry things and um so i have one coming up live events live events yeah yeah so i um i've done i've done three different acts over the uh, uh and I guess I've done it about six or eight times total. So I've, you know, doubled up the acts, you know, done them at different venues and stuff. But um, I'm, I'm starting to think that that's kind of the way I write is it's very much like a comic strip. It's got a beginning, middle and end that's really kind of compressed together. Yeah. And I usually go to these things and this is really the only time I perform, you know, in front of people because usually I do TV video puppetry. And um, so I always treat it as like, okay, this is going to be, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to try and steal the show. I'm going to try to, you know, just dominate this. And so many people are like, oh, I'm doing this really artsy, you know, puppet. Now the puppeteers love the artsy puppetry stuff. You know, I'm, I'm killing the Mr. Rogers characters. That's, that's what I, right, you right, know, it's like, right. yeah. So. You, you're the category of your own. Season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm so. a fan of it. Um, <laughs> speaking of, okay, I'm going to jump backwards for a second. You're just a Celica shy of where you were in 2000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm making exactly the same money I was making in 2012. And I'm also don't have my Celica and I'm living by the beach. So yeah, I'm, I'm. Uh, but you're I'm happier. Yeah. Like every time we talk, you're like, yes. I am so happy. Because yeah. when you were living in LA. You I didn't like, have my dog. Didn't have my dog. <laughs> never dog. You didn't have the insurance. You were yeah. making back alley deals for insulin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there is hope everybody you know um <laughs> but you're but in all honesty you left okay well how did you leave direct tv and get to kern they left me uh so they laid everybody off in 2012 oh, and geez. i took that money because i lived there i worked there for you know 12 years and i took my retirement my 401k and everything else and i like okay i'm gonna live on this while i become a puppeteer and so uh i had been working as a puppeteer for you know, probably six years at that point, because I kind of do as a freelancer. And uh, BJ Geyer, who's a puppeteer that I had met in LA, was about to close his shop. And I said, listen, you know, I'm just getting started. I would love to, I don't, I can't buy the shop. I have no money, but I would love to take it over 
because that's what he had done. He had taken over somebody else's shop. And then I can make you payments as I bring stuff in because I think there's really a, you know, a, a market out there, you know, for this type of puppetry and blah, blah, blah. And he says, listen, I'm so burned out, but I'm so excited about how excited you are that why don't we just get a shop together and I can stay Aww. on it. So we did. We had a shop together for four years nice. and we had three jobs during that four years. So oh. I lost my shirt. Uh, okay. Yeah, one was Glee. Okay. One was a Nickelodeon show that we never got paid for, and one was Nickelodeon a... didn't pay you. Well, no. So they paid us most of it, but then they the last week they didn't pay the the, the final installment. Got it. Okay. And so I didn't get paid for that last week, and that's how I ended up with my little home shop that I have here is because I was paid out in you know when the shop folded. He's just like, well, take that saw, take take those puppets, take take that foam, and that was kind of how I started my little shop. Is that that uh, was all kind of just in payment of that last job, yeah. um, but um, and then he moved off to Atlanta, so he's and I still work with him. You know, it's like like I'm still his designer, which is great. Yeah, I mean that's that's another one of those jobs you can do in the you know as you're sitting there, you know, moving commas around. You're like, oh, here's an idea for a rabbit head or whatever, you know, <laughs> so. which is awesome. You've also worked, now this is, you know, you're going to have to explain this a little bit because you, you said you've also worked as a puppet wrangler. Now, I don't know if that was, well, please yeah. explain how that's different from being a puppeteer. Okay. Yeah. So there's kind of, I got, I want to, I don't know how many, I want to say four tiers of puppetry, I guess. So there's the builder, they're in a class all their own. Uh -huh. And then there's the performer. Okay. Okay. And I'm then there's familiar the, with. Yeah. So that would be like, Okay, if you're doing Ernie from Sesame Street, you're working the head and the left hand as yeah. a performer. Okay. okay. And do the voice. And do the voice. Okay. okay. Uh, somebody else built it. Got somebody yeah. who's doing the. Okay. Then you have the assistant puppeteer who's the right hand. Okay. okay. So now that's the assistant. And then you have the wrangler who basically is kind of like the makeup artist behind the camera that watches for lint and stitches yeah. that are out. And then between takes comes running up and stitches stuff up or runs a lint, lint lower on it or rent a lint roller on it or you know whatever you know finds that smudge and fixes it or you know but also That's is watching wild. and is watching the monitor and he's they're also kind of a second set of eyes for the technical end of things so it's like okay the director's like okay that's that's a great take and like oh no, no well, sorry there was a piece of lint on ernie's upper lip or whatever so let's fix that and do it again that's that's kind of what that yeah. is that's crazy. I have a question. This yeah. sparked something in me. Is Big Bird technically not a puppet because there's a person inside? Right. So it is considered, I think it's called a costumed puppet. I think that's, it's not a mascot. So like you go to Disneyland, that's a mascot. Okay. okay. Um, and then, or even if they're not as good as Disneyland, they're kind of a costume. It's kind of. <laughs> right. right. I was just going to say, because yeah. Big Bird's like a costume. Yeah. So what where big bird differs is he's got the head the hand that operates the the head and i'm off camera but um got the, so that's the puppet part and then i guess from the neck down would be the costume part or you know it would be the puppet part costume part and i i think it's kind of a it was one of the first um you know um hybrid uh, hybrid of the two yeah yeah um he's considered a puppet but like all of those guys i mean even when they have an audio audio animatronic it's kind of let's well, consider an animatronic at that point so like yeah. where the wild things are 
movie? Yeah. I never saw yeah. it, but yeah, that was more animatronic because it was all mechanized, but I don't think it would be considered a puppet. So I don't know. It's a, it's a good movie. I liked yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, I love that book. But um, then, Yeah, I love the book too. Mr. Snuffleupagus? Snuffy? He'd be a I don't, don't know. I think I know. we could go yeah. down this. I could, yeah. I could start. There were definitely this. people inside of Snuffleupagus. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But is somebody with an arm down well, what about, the snout? What about Johnny Five? Remember from Short Circuit? Is sure. he a puppet? Is oh, he a yeah. puppet? Is he animatronic? Is he, he's not a costume. He's not huh? CGI because that didn't exist yet. I, I, would, I would call him a puppet because he is controlled by puppeteer. Maybe that's what it is. Controlled by puppeteers uh -huh. off camera. Oh, right, and even right. though it's all mechanized, He's doing a performance based on the puppeteers. So I would think maybe that would be the definition. We could be here. Like, I mean, I've got to defer to you as the expert. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you, my my resume sounds a lot better than it is because there's been some long stretches of just sitting there doing nothing. But uh, well, that, but I mean, that, that is the artist's resume. <laughs> that is yeah. the, I was just going to say, yeah. but that is the artist's resume. Yeah. That's also the mom's resume. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like, um, I haven't had a lot of opportunities. Like oh, I heard that. <laughs> was that your stomach again? Yeah. <laughs> that might be my chair. I'm oh, just okay. drinking. I'm drinking a whole heck of a lot of water. <laughs> and but you know, I bring the jug, and I don't yeah, like yeah. to drink out of the jug on camera. So I just hear. Right, me. right. Um, I, I, um, I never what have had doing? a lot of opportunities to be paid for my work, yeah. but I've found a lot of ways to make money at it. I guess it's like, yeah. Like, uh, you know, I self-published my books. I had a book that was published by a publisher, which sold okay, but yeah. didn't didn't really do the business they were hoping for, you know? And, and you're finding more success in self-publishing. No, I just, I, I don't feel as guilty about dragging other people along with it, I think is kind of the thing, but you know, it's like- You've always had a, you've, as long as I've known you, you've always had a tremendous amount of guilt. It's yeah. like you were yeah. born in Michigan with me. Right, right, right. Exactly. You're yeah. my, you're my, um, you're my kin. Um, but it's interesting because we're going to, we're going to blast the hell out of your book. Sorry, Steve's parents. We're going to blast the <laughs> hell is okay, I think. out of your book. <laughs> um, we're going to put a link up so people can support and, and purchase because it really is fantastic. And, and I do feel like a, you are like a Mo Willems and a Dr. Seuss and, and more Mo Willems in my, um, in my personal opinion, <laughs> um, which is great. And, and I do think that your tenacity will pay off. I, I do, you know, I just think that people don't understand that it's not overnight success. It is years of putting in the work. Well, the, um, I get a lot of it at different jobs I've had, you know, well, you like to draw, so do this job, that, that sort of thing. They don't see it as yeah. a separate mm -hmm. skill. But I do want to talk about one thing that you did. And I remember when you got this job because it started as just a simple Halloween costume. And then all of a sudden you were playing Charlie Chaplin. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. All of a sudden people yeah. were like, oh, you can do this. We're going to pay you to be Charlie Chaplin. Let's talk yeah. about that for a second. And what people did pay you to be Charlie Chaplin. Well, doing for, for, for four years during while I was a puppeteer, that was one of my little side gigs is I hooked up with this princess party that also did um, Holly, old Hollywood parties. And so we had, a, there was a Marilyn Monroe, there was a Groucho, and then there was me as Charlie Chaplin. Now I had done Charlie Chaplin in, in college. In fact, me doing Charlie Chaplin directly ties into how I started doing puppetry to begin with. Um, I, exactly. So I was doing a, a student film for mm -hmm. one of my classes in college 
and it was a silent, I was going to do a silent film of Charlie Chaplin. We had a three day shoot over a period of like three weeks and we had shot two of the three days. I was Chaplin and, and then before the third day, the bully and the girl both dropped out of the, the project. Now, if you know a Charlie Chaplin movie, that's the three characters. So I was just me and I didn't have an ending for the film. <laughs> so Eric says, is there anything out uh, Same Eric, Eric Potolsky, who I keep talking about. Um, we've known each other since eighth grade and we still, wow. we've always collaborated together and, and wow. yeah, yeah. Off and on, you know, or we compete with each other to the point where we both get better at whatever we're doing. Um, okay. But, but anyway, he says, is there anything, you got to finish this project. Um, is there any other, and I had nine weeks off before the, it was, it was due. And he goes, is there anything else you'd want to do? And I'm like, well, I have my comic melon pool. I would love to do an animated feature uh, movie of that, but there's no way I can do that. Let's do puppets. And that was the first time I'd ever done puppets was, was building puppets for this student film in college. Really? You, built, you built Melon Pool for We this? built, yeah, the original Melon Pool, which looked terrible. Um, it, yeah. I mean, it was all, so I had bought the fabric when I was 12. So I'm 20. So 10 years earlier, I bought it at Remnant because I'm like, I want to build a puppet of my character, but I don't know how to do it. So here's the fabric. So it was sitting in my closet. I pulled it out that night. I got some foam and kind of carved the head, put it together, got the head done. And I thought, well, I don't know how to make the body. So I asked my grandmother, I said, and she's almost 80 at this point. And I say, is there any way you can sew a tube for the body so I can finish this film? She was like, I got a better idea than that. She lived right by my college come over to my house three days a week and we'll make these puppets. And so in three weeks, Love we built grandmas. four puppets and we built all, all four of the characters. I had, I had earlier than in this story, but flashback to call to high school when I used to make Star Trek movies. So I had a <laughs> one third of the bridge of the enterprise in my parents' garage. Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Full scale. So oh that we could film our things. And so we filmed this, sci-fi movie with these puppets on the old star trek set um, <laughs> and 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 we had the, the original story which was the same story as the first comic i had ever done uh, you know first published comic that i had done was um they're flying in space they're watching tv they uh don't see that they're about to crash into earth and then they crash land in the you know in this you know podunk town and then are are, are chased by hillbillies and so there was a, a heritage park down. The I don't street. think you can say hillbilly anymore. Sorry. Um, Just kidding. Yeah. Redneck. <laughs> uh, these redneck. No, it's kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry. I just had to say it. I had to no, say that's it. okay. Um, you can bleep that out. No. Um, so um, I'm, 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 I'm basically alienating my entire audience by using the word no. Um, so, um, uh, so, so. Uh, the hillbillies we, and rednecks will forgive you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we, um, uh, we had, uh, there was this heritage park that we had gotten permission to film the Chaplin movie in, uh, in, pa in Poway, where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And so we just basically moved the production there. And so the hillbilly town was now <laughs> this heritage park. We used it as our back lot. That's we shot amazing. The whole, we shot the whole thing in like, I want to say it was three weeks to build the puppets. And then we shot over 12 days, almost continuously. And we got it done. We actually did the final dub of the. Eric did all the music on it too, and Andy puppeteered one of the characters. 
and he got he stayed up for 24 hours and finished all the music for it and then we got stuck in traffic and we were late for the the production and oh, yeah. I, I mean for the film we got in there just at the end so we got it in there in time but i got an a for it it was great and then we entered it into the, the so. we entered it in the del mar fair but <clears throat> i had done a movie a number of years earlier for the del mar fair in the the um um amateur division and they <laughs> This is, this is how dumb I was when I was 22. Um, uh, so I had done this amateur thing and, and first prize was a ribbon, but I had seen at that point that you got um, $300 if you got first place in the professional division. So we entered this film into the professional division and we got third place. We got 100 bucks for that, that little film. Hey. And that was, that was the beginning. And so then when the comic book came out, I had the puppets. So we would take them to the San Diego Comic-Con. And that was how that started was, was I had the puppets. So why not use them to bring people over? Yeah. And over the years, I would rebuild the puppets. And that was all the puppetry I did for about 10 years was just for those conventions uh, and to promote my comics. Well, so I definitely was... think people are going to want to watch the movie now. Oh, I, it's up on YouTube. Okay, I, I'll send you a link to it. Well, it's, link to yeah, it. links to I mean, all of Believe it. me, believe me. It's it's all the clarity that a real, that uh, overdubbed VHS can, you know, it's like a, uh, we did one uh, VHS to the other and, and that was how we edited the whole thing. Mm -hmm. so well, that those... was my next question. What did you shoot on? We what shot on, on we shot on VHS. Um, I want to say we used the two hour speed. What was that the LP as opposed mm -hmm. to the SLP? Um, so at least we did that. And yep. oh, and and um, the other thing was funny because it's right all about quality. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, exactly. In college, I was shooting on beta cams. I, I think like I permanently broke my back carrying. Oh around. yeah, but that well, is uh, high quality. I mean, it, it is high quality. Film. It was the first film we ever had that was um, that we had a dedicated cameraman. Usually, it was a tripod that we would run behind and we would do. You got a string or, tied to it to turn it from. Yeah, home. yeah, yeah. Well, we had, yeah. or we'd have whoever wasn't on set would be the sh the cameraman for that. But we had a guy, uh, Greg Skinner, who <laughs> he looked like Harold Ramis from Ghostbusters. And he had um, he had all his sound, all our sound equipment on his back. We had a backpack that had all the sound. Pack. We had four mics that came out of that sound pack that we were all mic'd to get our things. And then he had a boom mic that came off the back. And so we started calling him Egon. And to this day, he goes by Egon online. It's like <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so hang on, hang on. He's got he's got individual mics running to each of you, a boom mic coming out of his backpack. He's not holding any of these because his hands are on the camera. Right, right. This is like one of those one-man bands you see in the and, park. And he wasn't on, did I just go dead on the? No. You're good. Okay. He, uh, he didn't have a, so we had to plan every shot that we had outside because we had 300 feet of extension cord <laughs> that he had to be attached to the wall because it was all AC. And so, uh -huh. so he, we had to basically maneuver him and we had to, once the puppeteers were all linked up, we couldn't get any farther than 16 feet from him because we're all oh, wired wire. up to him. Yeah. And we had uh -huh. to make sure nobody would run in between to the you logic. Know, it was, it was a crazy shoot. And we, it doesn't sound like you had any PAs working for you. No. Um, <laughs> so we had troubles getting enough for the townspeople uh, we, we had, you know, our cast of, of thousands, which equated to five people. Um, and, uh, and two of the, two of them were the puppeteers because as they carried off the aliens, we just had them in there mixed in with the townspeople so they could work the puppets in the, 
in the uh, oh thing. Gosh. So yeah, but it was really fun. I mean, we we did some crazy special effects, and you know, and it was there's a couple of shots in there, even though none of us had ever done puppetry before. Um, and I always said that Eric and and his brother Roger were natural puppeteers. They were as good as I was five years after puppeteering because it took me it, it, just out of the box putting it on. They're musicians, so and they kind of understood the you know performance Movement. i was just some cartoonist that never put a puppet on his arm before so so here's and here one you are thing, now <laughs> yeah and here's the one thing i i, I want to take away extrapolate from this story is we were talking about charlie chaplin mm. and he and he <laughs> he got you an a he saved you a fail yeah he inspired you as a muse and, and then, i had the costume and then when you were out of a job and just trying to make it as a puppeteer, he came back into your life. Yeah. And got his performance after in, all. In fact, I got a call from them during the pandemic to see if I was available to do an appearance as Charlie Chaplin. I said, well, you know, I did put on like 15 pounds during the pandemic. Let me see. Put it Because it's a super tight costume. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. so I put the thing on. I, I could just barely get it shut. And I'm like, I took a picture of myself and I <laughs> said to her, would you take an Oliver Hardy? <laughs> I've never heard from him again. So. That's amazing. That yeah. is so funny. Yeah. Um. What? So I know this. Because you didn't have a Stan Laurel to go with you. That's right. what it was. Well, mm -hmm. I could dress Tilly up. She's a uh, you know. Cause you could... <laughs> well, you should have called Eric. Um, yeah, yeah. Eric could. Eric could have done it. <laughs> but I feel. I feel like I know this group because they do all the Disney princesses too, right? Yeah, like we uh -huh. are, we have a seven-year-old who's been to a lot of birthday parties mm -hmm. and there's always an Elsa or a. They do Elsa like a Spider-Man. They do like the Marvel characters and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they really, I've done, I've done puppetry for them as well. Like they do this really cool thing in Pasadena every year where they, or they haven't done it for the last couple of years, but they, they showed like Babe and the Muppet movie. And then they brought me and a couple other puppeteers out there to work the crowd. Um, with puppets prior to um, the film, the filming, and that was that was a lot of fun. I like that one. But when you were Charlie Chaplin, did you speak at the party? That's the problem. I'm not really a mime. I can do some of the bits. I can do some. I can do the walk. I can do the spin. I can do the you know the the cane spin. I can do. Um, I have this bit that where I can you know turn the hat and do you know. I, there's a lot of mannerisms I can do, but I'm not a mime. And everybody expects me to be a mime. And that's where I run into problems. And, um, you know, I tried speaking with an English accent and that didn't really work. And I tried, you know, different things like that. But I mean, it's a good photo op. That's all I'm there for is to stand yeah. there in the, the, the backdrop and, you know, stand there, you know, doing, right. there was a guy, there was a guy who had a little mustache. So we were like pointing each other's mustaches and stuff. I mean, that was, that was the sort of stuff I would do. And but, did you get tipped? Yeah. Yeah. I'd make like 150 bucks for the appearance and then maybe 50 bucks in tips so lovely that's great that's for a, a costume great that i got myself. when i was 20 20 years old and still uh you know still can fit yeah. into that's pretty good so and the great yeah. thing about chaplin is because he's a tramp uh you know the more beat up it gets the more authentic it looks you know yeah <laughs> that's right never been to the dry cleaners in fact during that during the yeah during that movie that we were shooting before the Melville movie both arms ripped almost completely off they're attached right right at the front here and then when i move my arms it's you see the undershirt and it's 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 funny right and and every time i wear it's like oh you you pulled a rip you ripped a um a part of your coat and it's like no no that's 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 okay it's it's this part of it and 
Um, I mean, that's the one thing I've noticed a lot that like when I see chaplain impersonators at like Universal or whatever, they're always so clean. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they're always just like, you know, part of it was he was, you know, down in his, down, down on his luck, you know, right, right. Dying, you know, corner or whatever. So, right. I want to just thank you, Steve, for, for taking the time with us. We, we, we've taken up too much of your time, but thank you so much for, for, for sitting with us and sharing all of this with us because you're amazing, dude. Yeah. Thank you. And I want to say thank you so much for always being there for us. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. She showed on Monday, made love on Tuesday. On Wednesday, she was there. We fought on Thursday, made up on Friday. But now I'm losing ground. You call me lazy, you think I'm crazy. So why'd you come around?